0: The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. A
1: lot of talk about Tom Brady today after the Dana White story over the weekend on the Gronk in the USC event. Dana said he had brokered a deal for Gronk and Brady to come to the Raiders in 2020, but Gruden said no. So we'll continue with the coverage on that Tom Brady is back with his current team
2: so what was it why was he gone got eliminated from the mass singer I think that's the most likely speculation that has taken place uh he says family vacation think like they went to the Bahamas actually so I mean, okay so explain this one why was this allowed I mean, it sounds like they, first of all, it's Tom Brady. What are they going to say? No, you can't come back to the team. It sounds like what he said was, no, we can take this for what it is, or we can say that there's probably some nefarious things underneath. Were they having issues in the marriage? That sort of thing. Who knows? I think at face value, what happened was Tom Brady retired. They booked a family vacation. And then he said, look, if I come back, I'm coming back to the team, but we already booked this vacation. And I told my family we'd go and so we're going Tom Brady and Giselle I'm
1: guessing they're worth upwards of what 600 million dollars do you think they like, the cancellation fee I think just got them they're like can't do it so there is something deeper here I mean you know the SO and I've been talking about our yearly New Orleans trip and it's just worked out now I'm like hey, it's it's
2: not gonna happen maybe I mean and that's the way it works what is that no, happen is there work things getting in the way yeah, there's a lot of a lot of
1: UNLV basketball and football. And you can say work things are getting in the way. And sorry, sorry UNLV, I got yeah. There'll be family vacation. There'll playing. be another trip another time. And my job is not as important, or not as uh, important as the starting quarterback job for the Buccaneers. I could just, probably you, swing it if I had to.
2: You might just not like training camp. So that too? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a break from training camp. So
1: do we, do we just hey, that's yep. You're right. Vacation booked. He can't miss his vacation. There's nothing out like. And all the teammates are supposed to accept that. Like he won us the Super Bowl, so yeah, Tom gets to do what he wants. We're all good with this? I mean, yes. Okay. I'm.
2: I'm. I'm not necessarily.
1: Well, I mean, he, here's the thing. Like, if if it is, the choice is Tom goes on vacation, or he quits. Tom goes on vacation. No, no. Was that the scenario? That's what I'm saying. Yes. You think Tom he goes told him? Vacation. You think he told him? If I don't get to go to – was it was it the Bahamas? I thought it was. Okay. If I don't get to go to the Bahamas two weeks into training
2: camp, then I'm done. We actually have some – we might have a Bahamas source. Okay. Maybe we could check. I don't know what the hell that means. Okay. Maybe we could check and see if there's any, any scuttlebutt around Bahamas. Like, was – did Tom book a last-minute trip? Was there something more I, to it? I mean,
1: I know – I know people listen to sports talk radio and they listen to talking heads on TV and they're like, what's the big deal? Well, it is kind of a big deal. Sure. Trying to show the pot. Okay, well, then would the Raiders be cool with Derek Carr just taking two weeks off? And I kinda, don't, he, I don't he's know been practicing. So. Sure. Like, what would they say to him if he's like, I, you know, I, we hit the wrong dates on Expedia? I, we, sorry. It's non refundable. Non refundable. We, can, I, I got to go on this vacation from August. Seventh to the twenty first. Is I'm that okay? Going, I'm going with or, yes. or,
3: or, or I'm gonna walk.
1: I'm going with yes. I think that's
2: exactly what happened.
1: I, I can't even it. imagine Tom Brady presenting that conversation. I can't. A guy who <laughs> loves football. But God, you you love the girlfriend and wife, marital
2: spats, potentially. Well, that's the only other explanation. The only other explanation is that. He was he was in training camp and she was like, You know what, I'm out and he said, Okay, I have to I have to go take care of this. I mean that's the other that's the one I avoided. But well, that's we, the we more logical it. thing. We didn't avoid it last week.
1: I mean no. we jumped all over it. No, there, ma- last be, week was Mass Singer. That, that there's gotta be well, no, we we did Mass Singer and there could have been problems, some desperate issues
2: going on. But I mean with I think wife. that's isn't that the only two real Unless unless it was a health issue and they're using this to cover it up and you know, there was obviously speculation that his mother was sick there again was, and that it, yep. he was going to go take care of that. Um, but I mean that wouldn't that be a much more palatable easy thing to say? Wouldn't it, I mean wouldn't that be wouldn't that make people just understand it and be like, "Yeah, okay, that makes sense." More so than we had a pre-planned vacation that we had to go on? It makes zero it sense. It doesn't make any sense. And
1: if anyone was going to do that, why wouldn't
2: Aaron Rodgers do it? I mean, he needs to get used to these, you know, number three and four receivers that he's got. I this think whole bunch. I think that's the bigger answer. Yes, that you know, he's that he he needs to work with these guys. Tom Brady has a, a machine that's kind of been chugging along for a while. He knows his receivers pretty well. So on the the Raiders Brady Gronk deal
1: that Dana White says he he put together, I know you've been puffing out your chest for like a day and a half about reporting. Yeah, right. This bothers you. Of course. People think you just put anything out there. Um, you know, you're not a content creator. Let's say that. There are different rules. There are different standards that you abide by. Yeah. And I think you abide by them, like, to the highest level. Maybe not every newspaper guy I think does that. But you are very respectful of source, source, source. I'm not just going to put anything out there, even though I talk to you off the air and there's a lot of stuff you say to me.
2: Which I don't relay on the air, where I'm like, "Ooh, okay," and like you haven't reported it. Yeah, like was I pretty sure Ken and Drake was going to be released? Yes. Um, but yeah, there's a different level and standard of reporting that goes on, but it's not. I don't want to make it even about me. It it bothers me, and I know it bothers you. The the you know the narrative out there of fake news, the distrust of media. I'm here to tell you, people that are listening, and listen closely. When there is a story that comes out in a Trusted media source, it's not made up. There's been like three instances in the world where that has happened, and those people are out of the media forever. There's something to it. There's something to it. It came from somewhere, and it, and sometimes they're wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's hey, if you go, if I go to a you know high ranking official at a, you know wherever, and they tell me something, and I confirm it with somebody else and i put it out and it turns out that it was true they misunderstood or whatever like those things are possible but stories that are in the media and this i'm not just talking about sports it's politics it's everything like stories aren't just made up they come from someone they're sourced and then they they they're released that that's a process that happens vetted edited all those things happen for these stories to come out so Like when you say fake news, like know what you're talking about in that case. Yeah, it might not end up being necessarily true, but it was from somebody who should have been in a position to know is where those stories come from. And people
1: should also know Adam about 30 seconds ago said something important in there, which is on the Kenyon Drake thing. You had good information, but you're not going public with it. That happens a lot. Of course. That happens a lot. And it's not being team friendly. You know, you have to wait to get confirmation on stuff. And so.
2: For, I mean for <laughs> for, for, for I'll like
1: I'll leave it at like there's you know, obviously I'm on the UNLV beat. You know, we've been following the quarterback thing the whole time. Uh you know, I try to tell you what's going on. In plenty of words. So today, by by the way, the depth chart came out, and now Cam Friel is the three. At quarterback and starters, Brumfield and Harrison Bailey is an or situation. And Arroyo confirmed what I thought he was going to, and he said it last week, what he was going to do this whole time. He's not naming a starter. You're going to find out, uh, you know, probably an hour before someone, someone else will get it. And uh an hour before the game, we'll find out who's going to start on Saturday. Or we'll find out when they take the field. But, you know, I, when I'm out there, I, I am tracking, you know, I try to track ones, twos and threes. You know, but it doesn't doesn't always mean whoever's running one that day is definitely gonna be the one. But there's there is stuff you 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 see, you hear, you have information, but until you can get it confirmed, you can't you can't put it out there. <laughs> Belichick speaking to the Patriots media media, and uh, I think Willie was there too as a part of the AP national guy. Belichick talking about the Raiders training facility. This guy's got facility envy. He said, "Quote." Better than anything I've seen, it's outstanding. So, so note to uh, Bobby Kraft: step up your game, bro. Let's that, go. That, up, upgrade the facilities. It's not a shocker that he said the facility awesome. It's literally all I thought
2: when he said this. Everyone else is ran to, look how great the Raiders did building their right. facility. And my thought was, he wants a new facility. Right. We are sharing a brain on this one that there's a method to the madness.
1: Of course. He's not he, just going to compliment the facility unless he's trying to send a message he stammers, to crap.
2: Where's mine? Yeah, he stammers and mumbles through every question he ever answers and all of a sudden he's he's a he's Thomas freaking Jefferson about the facility at the rate like he's angling for a new facility. Right. That's the story. That's what he's saying here. It's ridiculous.
1: Adam's going to tell us in a little bit what we expect from these joint practices, but let's get to a UNLV football opponent preview. Cal is very close to the beginning of the season. In fact, it's uh, in week two, which sounds weird because they have a week zero, but the game is right around the corner, and it's obviously a pivotal game early in the season for the Rebels.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's time for Cofield and Company's UNLV football opponent preview. Let's break down UNLV versus Cal. All right, college football
1: coming up here in just a second. Also tracking the big Raider stories of the day. Kenyon Drake released. Dana White telling a story that Gronk and Brady were coming to the Raiders in 2020. John Gruden said... But football's here. Week 0 is here in college football. UNLV actually plays this weekend in the opener at Allegiant against Idaho State. Then they've got a break in between. This was going to be a back-to-back game with the Cal tilt. That one goes down on September 10th. So let's bring in Todd McKim, longtime silent reporter for the Cal Bears, and let's get a preview of what's going on with Cal from a football standpoint. How are you?
4: I'm doing terrific. How about you?
1: We're good. we got a lot to talk about, right? We just heard about all the Raider stuff, so very, very exciting times here. But we do want to get into Cal football and uh, look at this opponent for the Rebels. Last year was really interesting because this was a pretty good Cal football team, but it was a, a tale of two seasons, and COVID kind of jacked up the middle of the season. So for the locals here in Vegas, recap what happened. Is they wound up finishing, what, 5-7, and seven, but it was after a very slow start.
4: It was a slow start before we talk about what well, we can talk about last year because the quarterback on last year's Cal football team is uh, now the number three quarterback for the Raiders. So that trade with Mullins today may help Chase Garbers uh, get a roster spot with the Raiders. We wish him the best. I yeah. think uh, a, a terrific young man and has played well in the exhibition games. But talking about last year, the Bears struggled out of the gate. I mean, if you're, you're in track and field, they had a false start. <laughs> okay. And, just, but, and they eliminated themselves from bowl consideration early in the year uh, they lost five games last year by a touchdown or less. So they were very competitive in a lot of football games, but just could not finish the deal in some early season games against Nevada. Tough one down at TCU, a tough loss at home against Washington State. So they were behind the eight ball as they got to the, the midway point of the season. And then they won four of the last six games uh, and played very well. So um, this year they hope to build off of the momentum that they had at the end of last year, but they're going to have to do it with a lot of unproven, inexperienced players. Uh, defense should be outstanding, one of the better defenses in the Pac-12 conference. The offense is the question mark. Got a, a new quarterback transferred in from Purdue to replace Chase. Uh, wide receivers that are very inexperienced but very, very talented. And an offensive line that has some talent but doesn't have a lot of depth right now. So we're as excited as everybody to get things started against UC Davis and then have the, the Rebs coming to town with a couple of former well, one former Cal player and a former, uh, two former assistants. So Marcus Arroyo was at Cal uh, a little over a decade ago. Nate Longshore played for the Bears uh, about 12, 13 years ago. And uh, Keith Hayward, the defensive coordinator, was a coach here for a couple of years as well. So, there's, a, there's going to be some familiarity between at least the coaches when mm-hmm. the two teams play on September the
2: 10th. And you talked about Chase Garbers being here in Las Vegas with the Raiders. Now he is gone, and uh, Jack Plummer steps in. What what does he need to do to kind of to uh, make this job his, take over, and, and establish himself uh, this season?
4: I think through uh, spring ball he uh, took the reins, but not a hundred percent. It's tough for a guy to come into the quarterback spot and say, "Hey, it's it's my team." But through the course of the summer workouts and certainly in the first couple of weeks of fall camp, he has done that and has looked very, very good. He's a different type of player than Chase. Chase was able to make a lot of plays with his legs. Uh, I think he's our second leading rusher a year ago, rushed for over 500 yards net and made a lot of key third down conversions by uh, using his legs. Uh, Jack Plummer's not that kind of a quarterback. He is more of a pocket passer, uh, has a big arm, can make all the throws downfield. And yet, still has some mobility, um, whereas you know, Chase had a lot of mobility. I think Jack might surprise some people, but he is not going to be a guy that runs the option on third and four. Uh, I think he's going to be throwing the ball on third and four rather than running it.
2: They had some some trouble uh, at times pushing the ball downfield uh, last season, and now couple of uh, you know not only quarterbacks to replace but some uh, some receiving options uh, that need to kind of be established so will will that part of the game kind of uh, be found by the Bears this
4: year well I'm, they certainly hope so and, and Jack has the ability to make those deep deep out throws deep down the middle kind of throws uh, and the receiving court that they have this year is a much bigger, much faster, much stronger receiving core than they had a year ago. So it would not surprise me at all to see a lot of fade, nine routes, that ball going down the field quite a bit.
1: What happens in running back where they lost a transfer,
4: right? They did. Christopher, it used to be Christopher Brown, he changed his name to Christopher Brooks. He transferred to BYU. Good power back, good in short yardage situations, can can carry tacklers. They have added uh, a lot of speed in the backfield with a couple of freshmen. Uh, Damian Moore was the starter. Much of last year uh, is a serviceable, good back. He's probably not a guy that's going to go 50 yards on you, but he can get you the first downs and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. But they brought in two young players, uh, both um, outstanding, one from uh, California, one from um, Nevada, uh, Ashton Hayes. You guys might remember him. He's a northern uh, Nevada kid, uh, very, very fast speedster track and field guy. And then Jaden Ott, a four-star guy out of Southern California, one of the premier high school backs in the country. They'll both play a lot, in my estimation, certainly Jaden Ott. Uh, so I think they've got more splash, more speed, more explosiveness in the backfield than they have had maybe since the days of Jabba Best and Shane Vereen, guys like that that played in the wow.
1: NFL. Talking about Cal football, uh, UNLV's taking on Cal on the 10th of September in Berkeley. Uh, the defense, linebackers the strength.
4: That's a good question. I think when you look at them, they're really confident at all three levels. I think they might have more quality depth at inside linebacker than they do maybe at any other position. So I guess if you're going to look at it that way, the answer would be yes. But the the three down guys that they have could all end up getting some kind of Pac-12 all-conference recognition by the end of the year with Brett Johnson being the the stalwart up front. He missed all of last year, suffered a broken hip in a scooter accident, uh, missed all of last season, participated in the spring, but he looks like he's back to where he was two years ago when he was an all-conference performer. Uh, Ricky Correa, nose tackle, 6'3", about 340. uh, Played a little bit last year. He looks uh, like he's a guy that can make a big difference in the middle. But the the two big uh, key guys, I think, defensively, Brett Johnson is one, and then Inside, Jackson Sermon, who's the son of the defensive coordinator, Peter Sermon, transferred into Washington. Uh, he was the fourth leading tackler in a conference a year ago. Uh, really solidifies that inside spot. And then at the safety position, a young man by the name of Daniel Scott, preseason, first-team All-Pac-12 performer. Those are kind of the three guys, and they all at three different levels. So when you have three different guys at three different levels, you got some strength all the way around.
1: So, really interesting offseason for Cal with coaching and also the conference. So, first of all, it must have been a a boost of energy that uh, Justin Wilcox was like, nah, to Oregon. What was the mood around the program when he
4: turned him down? Ecstatic. Happy to have him back. I think he's really well-liked by the administration, the players. Um, He's just a terrific young man. Um, when I was living in the state of Oregon, working in Eugene, I covered him as a high school player, mm-hmm. covered his brother, who was an outstanding tight end. So I've, I've known Justin for a long, long time, and he's been, he's close. He's really close. Had the team ascending until COVID hit two years ago. And then last year, all those close games just couldn't get over the hump. So I think they're pointing towards this one. So when he decided to come back, I think everybody down at Cal was ecstatic that, that he turned down the Oregon job. So, but he's got to win some games this year. Yeah. And he's got a team that I think can win some games. So we'll see how it plays out.
1: Well, I think he's been heavily criticized the last two years, you know, his record. But a lot of people when they analyze college football right now don't really look into individually the COVID situation with all these schools. And Cal, you know, probably on top of the list with whatever, four or five other schools had to go. The last two years were just unbelievably ridiculous with the hurdles they had across.
4: No question about it. Uh, You know, two years ago, uh, they only played four games. They were scheduled to play Washington in the opener, like early November, and then that game had to be canceled. And so, that same week on Friday afternoon, the conference says you're going to play at UCLA Sunday morning <laughs> at nine a.m. Yeah. I mean, come on! Yeah. I mean, really? You expect anybody to be ready to play that? And UCLA, UCLA had already played a game; they had lost a game at Colorado, but they had played a game. So that was totally unfair. But they didn't have most of their defensive line because of COVID. <laughs> Then the next week, they didn't have most of their offensive line because the defensive guys gave the COVID to the offensive linemen. Hmm. And then the third week, they play Stanford again. They don't have the offensive line because they're going to sit out the two weeks. They have an, an extra point blocked at the end of regulation. They lose by a point. And then the final week, hmm. they ended up playing. They beat Oregon, who went on to win the conference championship. So, I mean, they had a pretty good team ready to go. They just they just got decimated with COVID. And then last year, as you mentioned, midseason uh, Arizona game at Arizona, you give Arizona credit for you know, getting through the fact that they hadn't won a game since Tally ran in the Congress of Vienna, and and uh, they had some injuries as well. But Cal had twenty four players missing for that game at Arizona, and they had ten you know, assistant coaches or, hit, or uh, <laughs> grad assistants that couldn't make the trip as well. So they lose ten to three, and that game cost them a ball game. They'd have been in a bowl last year at six and six. So amazing. Then USC to end the season. So they they got the talent. Again, they've been at, at the very top of the fence, but they haven't been able to get over the top of that, and this is the year they need to do it.
1: How secure does the Cal football community feel right now with what's going on with the Pac twelve? Because I thought it had all calmed down the last couple of weeks with, you know, some big monies being talked about. ESPN's gonna need some holes to fill. Big Ten's not on ESPN anymore. And then we see reports about Phil Knight in Oregon trying to meet with the Big Ten. I mean, I, this is what what weird times around the Pac twelve, and especially for Cal.
4: There's no question about it. There's a there's a great level of uneasiness. Uh, on campus, I had a long talk with the athletic director yesterday, or Saturday, I guess, at the scrimmage. You know, he's got ten different scenarios that he could he could move on. But you know, number one, you know, I think I think they'd like to keep the current Pac-10 as it is. Pac, you know, the, the teams that are left. I think they'd like to do that. I think that's the number one option. If the Big Ten came in and said we'd like to offer you an opportunity to participate in our conference, I think they'd jump at it. Okay. I don't know that that would happen from an academic standpoint. It makes all the sense in the world. Cal and Stanford, you know, to the preeminent schools in the world would make total sense going to the Big Ten, but the Big Ten presidents aren't making the decisions, okay? It's the executives at Fox that are making the decisions, and so that's who they have to convince. So whether you go to the Big Ten or the Pac-10 stays intact, the Pac-10 expands, who knows, but very, very uncertain times right now, and it's hurting them in recruiting, because you know, players don't know what conference they're going to be in yep. you might be in the big Ten you might be in the pac 10 you might be in the mountain west you might even be in an academic conference you know with with Duke and you know somebody else right uh, like Ivy League so there's a lot of uncertainty and it's hurt them in, in a tournament recruiting the last month and a
1: half. Yeah, it's funny. We talked to Rod Gilmore, who's both a Stanford and a Cal guy because he was Cal law, yeah. and this was about a month ago, and I presented that whole academic thing, you know, because there was talks about, oh, maybe they'll merge with the Big 12, and I'm like, wait, Cal and Stanford are going to be tied to Baylor and Kansas Are you, Kansas State? Like, are you kidding me with some of the academics? Like, you know, there's a lofty standard. And Rod said, yeah, that. well, that's all nice, but at some point, especially with Cal because of money shortages – like, you have to consider the money as well. And I guess, you know, the other interesting thing here, Todd, What do you, what's going to happen here? Can Cal and the rest of the UC system put enough pressure on this situation with UCLA being all secretive that UCLA could actually not go to the Big Ten?
4: I would say the chances of that happening are um, <laughs> slim to none, and slim got on the bus out of yeah. town. But, okay. people, but,
1: but people, people, people are pissed off, right? I mean, this is, a, this is legit. I mean, uh, Cal folks specifically are really angry about how this went down.
4: I think there's a lot of UCLA people that are upset with it as well. Ooh, okay, you know, first of all, families. You know, how many road games are you going to go? You're going to go to, huh? you know, College Park, Maryland, and Piscataway, and yeah, you know, even to go to those places for every game. No, probably not. Right. Uh, the travel. What's it going to be like for the student athletes? Yeah, they say they're going to charter. Uh, yeah, good, good luck chartering, but it still takes you five and a half hours to get back there. The closest trip would be Nebraska. Uh, you're going to miss a lot of a lot of time. And I, the athletic director of Cal said the other day, he, he penciled it out, it's, it's going to cost 5 to $7 million extra in just travel budget to you know if somebody went to the Big Ten Conference. So there's a lot of folks, I think, all the way around, they're not real happy with what happened, but it is what it is, and you just have to accept that, control what you can control, and go forward.
1: Todd, great spot. We appreciate it. We'll see you in uh, less than a month in Berkeley.
4: We look forward to it. Thanks a lot, guys.
1: There he is, Todd McKim, longtime silent reporter with Cal. Yeah, it's a screwy situation, and as I mentioned, there were reports today that Phil Knight and Oregon are still trying to work the Big Ten angle. Man, why not? You got to talk to him, right? And then, as Todd as Todd described, or, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say Cal's got like a doomsday scenario because the last thing he mentioned, I think, is actually a real possibility now, which is whatever's left of the ACC and whatever's left of the Pac-12 because they're like-minded. In terms of academics, you could have those two combined. I know you want, you know, your your big two and everyone else is just screwed, but that would be a plan that the Pac twelve might look at if it just starts falling apart.
0: Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. <laughs> One owns a meat slicer, the other an air fryer. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company.
4: Adam Hill,
1: Cofield, past halfway point of Cofield and Company, just got done previewing the Cal Bears. That'll be an interesting, a real interesting game. That's a, a team with an over-under of five and a half wins, but they lost a lot of close games last year. Just like the Rebels, they were much better than the Rebels, and they they gave Oregon a really tough game. They wound up splitting with USC and UCLA a year ago. It's a good football program. He's got to start winning games, but you know I, I hope I frame that correctly for everyone that a lot of what Cal's done the last couple of years has been trying to get around. I won't say ridiculous, but it was like next-level stringent in Northern California. Like next level. It got tough. And when we it's funny when we look back on 2020 and 2021 but especially 2020, I think people forget how crazy it was and how week to week it's like we might have 78 guys available or we might have 54. Remember there used to be minimums, right? For linemen and like hey, we got to cancel the game if we only have this many linemen and like a lot of programs went through that. A lot of programs. So, yeah. and I think part of that was being in Northern California. Uh, other places, I don't think they took COVID seriously enough and they did themselves
2: in that way. So, yeah. Alabama had no problems with it. Yeah, almost like coaches that ran good programs did a good job with it. Right? Yeah. And some did not. And, we don't... and, and, and it destroyed their season. And Nick Saban was at the forefront of, hey, this is serious. Take care of this. Mm-hmm. Distance. Do whatever you can. Take whatever precautions you can. And keep in mind, that 2020
1: season, if it was a disaster for you and carried over a little bit into 2021, it, it still carries over now. Because of player development, yeah, guys who you wanted on the field in 2020 and 2021, maybe they just didn't develop enough because, well, they had to deal with three weeks of COVID, or you know, and that that took them, you know, that messed up academics, it messed up their routine, you know, they just simply didn't get the playing time in that they needed, so it was a that was a big deal. Uh, Fat pack time, as more NIL deals come in, this one's pretty interesting. Has Hooters signed up? To be
2: on board with the big fellas, the big uglies up front. They have offensive lineman deals. 51 deal. offensive linemen got Hooters deals. This is nice, which will include like in-house restaurant appearances, food, nice that kind of thing for them. Uh, they just said, Hey, these are guys that aren't celebrated necessarily uh, as much as they probably should be. And we're going to take care of them by giving them NIL deals, which is very cool. And of course you've pushed for any quarterback and it's a
1: lot of them now have big money deals. You better freaking take your lineman out. Yes. to a nice dinner
2: every week when you can. Yeah, on the road, it's a little more difficult. Well, especially if it's, if it's like, free. A lot of these deals are every Friday night you're getting, you know, a big meal. Well, you better include your offensive lineman on your guest list then, if that's the case. But, yeah, guys that are getting, you know, $6 million, those kind of deals that are reported out there, yeah, you better be taking your lineman out. We should update a
1: story we had a couple weeks ago. The Chick-fil-A is going to do wings story? Yeah. That was fake. Really? Yeah. It was a misunderstood video. They're not doing wings.
2: I thought it was one location that is. And then everybody just assumed all of them were. Okay.
1: Well, we're not getting wings here. Correct?
2: No, I don't think so. And it's
1: not a test to test for the rest of the country. You never know. Hmm. Okay. Conspiracy theory. Uh, another big chicken effort, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings apparently is going to do some pizzas. Now, when I looked at the pizzas and the choices they were making, I think it's a good idea. I
2: don't know. It's flatbread. Basically flatbread with chopped up boneless wings. My only concern, like I, I, I saw it too. And I said, okay, it makes sense. It's your, you are incorporating your product. You know your signature product into this, but I I just keep going back to you know what I've I've been telling you watching these weird these weird shows about uh, you know downfalls of major companies that they overextend and the missteps they make and it almost always involves overextending. They jump they jump the shark moment. Yeah, and you
1: know, even Domino's so- I think will be okay although Domino's in Italy turned out to be a disaster. They tried it for seven years and then there were lots of videos last week of Italians who were like. Are you kidding me? I wish I could speak Italian, but when I was watching them in Italian, it was just like America this, America that, you know, basically screw off. Mamma mia. (laughs) (laughs) Those those kind of videos? That's how everyone ended. Of course. Everyone ended. Mamma mia.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co.
1: Swing on, there it goes. Deep right, it is high. That is far. Good, it's gone. He hit his first home run.
0: Have come at a
1: better time. Benny. Still calling a lot of the games. Uh, first of all, the Italian there. I saw our, uh, our friend Danielle McCartan, coach, who does work with WFAN, but is also uh, an Italian teacher. She's part of Italian, but she teaches Italian in uh, middle school, I think. Middle school. Uh, she was not happy with the pronunciation. Mm. Second part. Did she like the mamma me? Uh, we'll have her listen into it and we'll find out if she thinks that's genuine. Um, I did it again. Second part. Uh, this is, this is very much for people who, uh, know the state of New Jersey. Um, calling someone a Benny is not a good thing. I'll just leave it at that. Maybe I'll get a, maybe I'll get one, one tweet about that. It's actually a very derogatory term for uh, a lot of the morons who are on Jersey shore. Those types of people who come and pollute the Jersey shore with their fun and frivolity. That's it. What no story. It, no story. What does it stem from? It's it's just, uh, it's not good. Okay. Yeah. John Can Von Tobel's with enjoy us. Enjoy Benny Hanna. Uh, John, first of all, <laughs> we we run stuff by John and John, you know, John's a younger guy, so he's not always going to know. John, do you know who Cheech and Chong are?
2: I know who they are, yeah. I, I mean, I know you're going somewhere. Th- I'm just going to follow up with that, that I was in a, a social setting yesterday and there was, like three people almost exactly my age, and three that were like six years younger, huh. and the younger ones didn't know who uh, Matt Foley, motivational speaker, was. Oh man, it, I don't know who that is. Oh my god! Wait, say it again.
1: He doesn't know either. Really? Yeah. One oh of, yeah, no. One that, of Farley's really, clear. one of Farley's really good characters on SNL. Yeah, I, living in a van down by the you, river.
3: I could tell you the character that I connected with when it comes to Chris Farley, and both of you are going to get really upset. Oh no! I will bet you can guess. Is it Beverly Hills Ninja? Of course it is.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, don't know. I think I saw that movie like six times when I was
2: a kid. I just walked away from the mic. I'm not happy. Uh, also, didn't didn't know <laughs> uh, Chappelle show references. Oh wow! Oh, I love Chappelle. But I have to go back to the database, but loved Chappelle show. Absolutely
3: loved Okay, Chappelle good.
2: Show. And then one more was didn't know, and this is a bad one, didn't know what George Foreman did before the Grills.
3: <laughs> oh, wow. Now, can I say, so I obviously know what George Foreman did before the Grills, and I know who Cheech and Chong are. However, my exposure to both of those were not through their original means. Like so, for example, George Foreman. I originally knew George Foreman. He was first introduced to me as the grill guy, and then I looked him up and understood what he was. You right. know, before the grill. For the
2: second one, can I say I Cheech and Chong? I think my first knowledge was from that seventy show,
3: and, and that's where I was going to go oh, too. Wow. I yeah. actually didn't know about Cheech. I, I learned about Tommy Chong through that seventy show, then looked him up and then understood.
2: Oh, he had like a really big pass. He was pretty big back in the day. Yeah, I'm not. I'm Cheech and Chong as a. Comedic duo, zero familiar. You never saw any of the movies? No. Yeah, okay. neither did I. All right. I'm in the first to openly
1: you know pitch and talk about weed culture in the '70s. So
2: sure. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: mean, I, I know, Yeah, I've read right. about the history. And yeah. "Born in East yeah. L.A." is one of the great songs you're ever going to hear.
2: Okay, yeah, that's not true. It's, I've heard it's it. brilliant. It's, it's a brilliant it's song.
1: Fine. A bri- it's a brilliant, brilliant song. Anyway, the reason I mentioned it is uh, in Vegas today we had a Cheech and Chong day. They made an appearance for 90 minutes at a local weed joint, and our buddy Tix Figurebloom was out there giving them uh, some sort of proclamation. So it's good to see the guys in Vegas. It's good to see the guys. All right, John, we have some NBA to talk about. Before we get to college football week zero, some rumors over the weekend. So what are you hearing right now with some of these Kevin Durant? Offers. Um, I like the Grizz getting involved, but I like the Grizz getting involved because they have good young talent. If you immediately take uh, Jaren Jackson and Desmond Bain off the table, right. I,
3: like, what do we have to work with here? That's what I'm saying. Like all these reports, if you actually read into all these reports about teams that are getting into the mix, it literally just sounds like a cursory, like a, like a call, like, hey, what are you guys looking for? Oh, okay, cool. The Nets going, hey, would you be willing to give up this? And the net the Grizzlies going. Duck. No, like we've got a lot of stuff for you if you want it. But uh, we were just calling because we were a little curious. And look, at this point, I, I think what we know what these reports are, you kind of want to drum up some more attention on this. It, it's a little bit of a slow time in the NBA calendar. So every few weeks we get one of these, right? What was it? Two weeks ago, the, Net, the the Nets and the Celtics were getting involved. And the Celtics became odds-on favorites to land Kevin Durant. But nothing came of that. And they weren't really willing to part with much when it came to their young core And it's the same thing here. I would say that the difference here that makes the Grizzlies more intriguing is that they do also have a plethora of draft capital that they could maybe convince the Brooklyn Nets. Well, you don't really want this entire young core, whatever young pieces you want. Maybe you want more draft capital. So maybe that makes it a little bit more um, tempting for Brooklyn. But at the same time, Brooklyn's been pretty clear if you read the reports that come out of that, you know, out of their franchise, which is they want a player, an impact player that will help them. Because obviously, if they're getting draft capital from a team that goes, you know, Kevin Durant goes to, that's not really going to be worth that much because that team's going to be really freaking good, especially right. if it's the Grizzlies. So like, I, I don't really take much out of all of these. I think it's just, again, you just get these reports every few weeks to drum up some controversy around. At the end of the day, we're kind of just where we've been.
1: And because of the Gobert deal, it seems like five first round picks are included in every deal now. Like, I don't think that's going to be the standard. I saw the mix. Are interested still in Donovan Mitchell and they could, you know, trade this player and five first round picks like, okay, I guess, I guess we can go with this five first round pick thing. I don't know that that's going to make every deal. So in, in your mind is in the end is, is that going to get done? Is some deal going to get done to get him to New York?
3: Yes. Yes, okay. because the Knicks are desperate. Like, like, That's the bottom line. The, you know, Donovan Mitchell is under contract for, I think it's three seasons, if I remember correctly. It might just be two, but he's under contract. And when we were out at the Summer League uh, last month, you know, I got to talk to Tony Jones, who works, covers, uh, works for the Athletic, covers uh, the Utah Jazz really closely, and he told us, he's like, look, he's like Donovan Mitchell, from what I understand, he's not Ben Simmons. He's going to play. Uh, if he is still on the Jazz once the season begins, he's going to be out there on the floor. Nothing's changed. Who knows? Uh, but that's the sense you get in uh, talking to people from Utah and reading some of the reports. So when this start, like when this all goes down, Utah and Dan- Danny Ames can sit back and go, all right, you guys don't want him? It's fine. We'll just roll out with what we have here. We don't really care. We're not on an accelerated timeline. And it actually kind of behooves them because if he's there through the trade deadline, guess what? They have somebody to ship off to uh, – so, well, not ship off, but – to represent them at the all-star game because it's in Salt Lake City this year. So, like, if you put all those things together, the onus is on New York, whose win total, by the way, is at 38-and-a-half, 39-and-a-half, to get this done to become a team that they have always wanted to be, which is somebody with a marquee star who everybody, like, I guess, pays attention to. They're desperate to do it. So I would say, yes, it's going to get done, and it's going to be the Knicks who blink first in terms of the package.
1: Week zero college football. Utah State taking on UConn this weekend. One o'clock start our time. Uh, Utah State is 27 27 and a half how are we approaching this game Logan Bonner is playing
3: or no Logan Bonner well so I bet UConn here uh, and I took you know I took 27 there's like you said there's 27 and a half out there and I think I could make a mistake like you know a lot of these big favorites we see uh, public bettors come in all the time maybe this gets driven up to like 28 and I could have grabbed that Uh, but I don't think that's going to be the case and I also think to your point Steve like if you read reports coming out of Utah, it's been really like tight-lipped about what's going on with Logan Bonner. For those who don't remember, he hurts his knee in the L.A. Bowl, it was presented by Jimmy Kimmel or whatever it was in December. And there's a chance that he might not be ready for this game. And my thought, too, Steve, is even if he is ready for this game, is it a short leash? Is it going to be one of those where you just kind of want to get him out there, you build up your lead, whatever it is, and then you can kind of pull him out in the second half and let your backups – by the way, the backups did a fantastic job in that L.A. Bowl game for Utah State – But regardless, the other flip side of this is, like, UConn's bad. Don't get me wrong. But a team with 15 guys coming back, coached by Jim Mora Jr., who's not a terrible coach, against a defense that at times last year was pretty abysmal, is only bringing back four or five guys. I think that this is a spot where Utah State might – the number might be a little high here. It might be overstating the fact that UConn's a bad team. So I took the points with the underdog.
1: Are you in on the game in Dublin? Northwestern and Nebraska playing Big Ten action right out of the gates. Uh, Huskers are 13, 12 and a half, 12.
3: Not really. So I kind of wanted to play it under, but it's it's moved a couple of points. I think 52 was one of the numbers that opened up in the offseason, or whenever they opened the totals. And now we're down to fifty and a half. I, I kind of feel I'm I'm really intrigued by Nebraska, and this is more of a watch and see with the Cornhuskers because I do think that this is arguably the best quarterback that Scott Frost has had in his time, right? Case Tom's coming over the transfer from Texas. And so I, I think that maybe – there's a chance that this is probably the best offense we're going to see from the Huskers. But I also want to see it to believe it. And Fitzgerald, Pat Fitzgerald's defenses tend to be a lot better than they project. I mean, if you look at them now, they've only got four guys coming back, and you would think that there's going to be a drop-off from the unit last year. But I think it's been seven straight years where they've given up just under, like, 24 points per game. So there's always been, like, a decent baseline of production from them. I, I just want to sit back and watch. I wanted to play it under. You know, if you look at the, some of the weather reports, I believe it's an open air stadium and it might be pretty damp, and who knows how that affects the pitch out there uh, in Dublin. It's going to be a really rainy week all week. Uh, but regardless, I, I'm just going to sit back and watch a, a strong lean to the
2: under, but I didn't play it because the number moved. Are you uh, are you out on uh, the rest of the NFL preseason? <laughs> kind of. I
0: mean, like, <laughs> like college
2: football's here.
3: And, like, you know, like, Adam, like, there's a couple of spots, like, if you get news, like, You can probably jump on a number before it moves or whatnot. And I think I've bet like three total preseason games. And this isn't a pat myself on the back. Like, I've won the three that I've bet. And you kind of just, like, it's fine. Like, real football is here. Unless there's something that the market, like, doesn't take into account or overreacts to, maybe there's something there. But for the most part, I'm just sitting back, and I think I'm all right. I'll watch some games, but I don't think I'm going to bet anything.
1: One more college football note. Uh, Rex Byers. You know, pretty well-known handicapper, Threw out a number for UNLV and Idaho State because a lot, not a lot of people in town are booking it yet. And Tony Miller set it up for about six weeks, and we've got a little rivalry. You know, our buddy Tony against our buddy Brad Powers, who's gone in there and just you know pounded the other side against UNLV. Byers was like kind
3: of way off uh, the number that the Nugget has at twenty-five and a half. Well, and that's the interesting part, right? Because I mean, you can make the argument that Rex's uh, number was more accurate, uh, but Brad Powers, a very sharp college bettor, went out and took 25 <laughs> with UNLV, right? So if we're gonna, if if 31. Oh, well, Idaho is, State.
1: He took he took he took the Idaho State side.
3: Oh, uh, excuse me, I must be yeah. So he took 31 with the Idaho State side. Um, or excuse me, 25 with the Idaho State side. So if you're going to hang 31, well, then yeah, like that seems like a pretty tempting play uh, for the underdog. I would say yes. Like for me, I would lean a little bit toward the underdog as well, just given what the number, we don't know what the number is going to be. I'm assuming it's going to be between 25 and 31, maybe not exactly 25. Uh, but I also think, too, from what we've seen in practice, like whether or not we know who the quarterback's going to be for UNLV, I would assume that this is an opportunity for Marcus Arroyo to see whoever the other guy is or guys are to get them out on this field if there is going to be a somewhat comfortable margin, whatever it is, and maybe get some live-action reps for those guys too. So I don't think this is one that UNLV is going to walk away and blow them out. I think that this is one where they're going to stay within this number Idaho State is, especially if we're talking like 30-ish points.
1: John, you're the man. We appreciate it. V-CIN every day, uh, 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock. When does the new schedule start where you're uh, mostly weekend-based?
3: That's not public knowledge, so well, I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Oops. Well,
3: a lot of new lineups coming out, right?
1: He's just gone to to Okay, no, there, there you go. I'm sending you a clip of Matt there Foley. He,
2: there he goes. <laughs> you gotta watch it. Yeah, they're
1: uh, they're doing some lineup changes down there. So, John will be uh, with us a whole bunch, and then also uh, still doing his V stuff. We'll come up to the uh, five o'clock hour here. We'll get into what's going on with the uh, Dana White story, and Tom Brady, and Gronk, and the Raiders, and Gruden turned him down.